Welcome to the Fort Hill Community Church Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Welcome again to Fort Hill Church and welcome to those joining us online as well. We are in John chapter 11. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be there today. John 11, starting in verse 28. John 11, starting in verse 28. Today, we're going to finish the story of the raising of Lazarus, the most incredible miracle in the Gospel of John. If I could bring my music stand up. There it is. And today, we're going to see Jesus somewhat in rare form. The title of today's message is Deeply Moved. Deeply Moved. Sometimes in life, you have experiences that are so troubling, so burdensome, so stressful, that there is a whirlwind of emotion. You're not really sure how to cope with it, how to comprehend the things that you're going through. Death of a loved one, betrayal of a friend, being disappointed, being let down. In those circumstances, we can hardly get a grip of our emotions, and we go from one emotion to another, anger, sorrow, that type of thing. I had one such experience, and this was probably the most emotional experience I've ever gone through in my life, even with, you know, after having kids. And with kids, you get very emotional sometimes, especially at 3 in the morning. I woke up at 6 this morning, and Levi was asking for a sip of water. He wanted his juicy. He says, Jew, Jew, Jew for his, his juicy, and I was like, oh. I don't, I don't typically wake up that early. Anyways, that's, that's, not, that's not the most emotional experience in my life. Um, in high school, I had a girlfriend, a longtime girlfriend. We had been dating for two years. In senior year of high school, I broke up with this girl. And uh, it was the most uh, intense, sort of um, painful experience I've ever gone through. I remember I, I went to her house she lived in Sandersville, Mississippi, uh, 15 minutes or 10 minutes from where I was from. And uh, I you know, told her I, you know, I thought we should break up and all this. She didn't believe me. She thought I was joking. I had to convince her that I wasn't joking. And I remember as I was trying to get out, I, I couldn't get out. She was like holding on to me, right? I was trying to open up my car door to get in my, my car and drive away. She wouldn't let me shut the door. It was a very emotional experience. I don't know, if, and you think high school relationship, you know, like you get over it. Even to this day, I've never had an experience quite like that. It was crazy. Um, and, you know, for, for good reason. Like We've been together a couple of years, right? Um, today, we're going to see Jesus go through. He, he's not breaking up with his girlfriend or anything today. We're not going to see that. Jesus didn't have a girlfriend, okay? Um, but we're going to see him also go through the breadth of the emotional sort of gamut today, the emotional spectrum in this story as we see him raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, we're going to see Jesus get angry today. We're going to see him as a man that gets angry. We're going to see him as a man that has sorrow. And then from this anger and from this sorrow, he's then going to display himself as the God that can raise dead men to life in power. So we're going to get the anger of Jesus, the sorrow of Jesus, and then finally the power of Jesus. So let's go to John 11, verse 28. 
We'll read through to verse 44. So uh, Jesus has come to Bethany. He is outside of Jerusalem, the town of Bethany, and he's having a conversation with Martha, who is the sister of Lazarus, who has passed away. And he's talking to uh, Martha here. Um, when she had said this, when Martha had said that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of, the, of God, Martha went and called her sister Mary, who was not outside with Jesus. Mary was inside in their house. And she said to Mary in private, The teacher is here, referring to Jesus, and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to Christ. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, well, was, he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, uh, consoling her, saw Mary rise and quickly go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying him, to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. He was greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So if Jesus could heal a blind man, how could he, why didn't he heal this guy? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Today we pick up where we left off last week. Jesus in the town of Bethany at the site of the, of the burial place of Lazarus when Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, weeping for their brother. Jesus knew these people. He loved these people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But he came too late. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus shows up with his Dunkin' Donuts in hand, right? Where have you been, Jesus? Four days, Lazarus has been dead. He's good and dead, okay? A little too late. Martha comes and sees Jesus first. And then Jesus comes to his, her sister Mary, and then they both say the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, where were you? If you had been here, we would not be in this situation. The death of a loved one, especially a loved one that you believe could have lived. I don't know if you've been in a situation with a hospital, or you maybe think that the, some, the person you love didn't quite get the care that you thought that they could have gotten. That they could have made it, right? That type of death, one that didn't have to die, is extremely devastating. And it's within this context that we see Jesus' first emotion here, and that is the emotion of anger. There's the emotion of anger. And that's in verse 33. 
It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, or the people weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Deeply moved. Now, it doesn't say angry, so where am I getting anger from? This translation right here of deeply moved kind of pours cold water on an otherwise hot word. Okay, The word here is actually indignant. So Jesus is looking at these people crying, and he gets indignant. He's angry, and he's irate that they are crying, okay? Which is kind of weird. Why is, why is he mad at these ladies for crying? It's kind of like kicking someone while they're down, right? This word here deeply moved the same word if you read the Gospels, and Jesus you know, heals someone, and they're really jazzed up and excited. They're going to go tell the whole world what happened to them. Jesus sternly warns them, do not tell anyone what's happened to you because his time has not yet come, okay? This is the same word here. He's very sort of indignant and stern in his own heart. He's angry looking at these people. Anger wells up. What's going on? Why is he angry? And why is he angry? Is he angry with them, right? Is it because of their lack of faith? If you remember other times, Jesus sees people who need help, and he groans in his spirit, Mark 9, 19. How long, O Lord, must I deal with this faithless generation? There are times that the, the lack of faith that people that Jesus encounters in people makes him groan. He's like, like how long am I going to deal with this mess? Right? Kind of like with my kids, right? Knocking over, how long am I going to deal with this? How long is it going to take you guys to listen to me? You know, the little kids, right? They're, they're, it is what it is. Jesus gets that way. He gets kind of frustrated. Is that the case with him, with these people? Is he mad at them for their little faith? I don't think so. I don't think he's, because that seems rather cruel, right? Kicking a dog while it's down. That, that's not the case. It says he's deeply moved, but then after that it says Jesus weeps because he loved them so much. He loved these people. So again, the question is, why is he angry? The Bible teaches us about an anger that is a good type of anger. Typically, anger is bad. You don't want to be angry. Do not the sun go down in your anger, right? Today, what we see in Jesus is not a worldly, fleshly, human anger, but what's called a righteous anger. Jesus is angry that we live in a world where people die. Jesus is angry that we live in a situation, a context where sin brings death. He's angry in a sense that Satan kind of won, although he didn't win. But Jesus is God of life. He brings abundant life. And now his best friend's dead. That makes him angry. We see this type of anger throughout the Gospels here. In John 2.15, if you remember, Jesus goes to the temple uh, in John chapter 2 and he gets angry. And do you, any of you guys remember why Jesus gets angry in the temple? He gets angry because people are making money in the temple, right? People are supposed to come and worship the Lord, but people are in there making money, selling sheep, selling goats for sacrifices. Whenever Jesus says that, or whenever Jesus sees that, this is what happens in John 2, 15. Jesus sees people making money in God's house, it says, in making a whip of cords, 
He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus is so angry here that not only does he beat people with a whip, but he makes a whip to beat people with, right? It's not that he was angry. He saw these people you know, making money in God's house, and he just so happened to see a whip. No, he goes out back and gets a switch and starts beating people, okay? For this reason, I always wear a belt whenever I come to church, because I never know what needs to go down, right? What would Jesus do? It's within the realm of possibility that someone needs to get a whooping, as my mom would say, right? So you can't say that anger is a holy bad thing, okay? There is a holy anger. There is a righteous anger. Jesus was angry at these people in John chapter 2 because they are obstructing worship of God. He was angry at these people in John chapter 2 because they are treating God's name with contempt. They were making a fool of God. They are making mockery of God. And so Jesus got angry. He got angry at sin. And now whenever we come to John 11 and Jesus sees his friend Lazarus dead, he gets angry. He gets angry that he lives in a world, or he's in a world where the havoc of death reigns, where the tragedy of death reigns. He's angry at the state of this world and the sorrow that death brings. He's angry because that's not how it's supposed to be. Remember his words in John chapter 10? I am the good shepherd. The shepherd brings life to a sheep. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You remember those words? And yet death has claimed even Jesus' closest friend. If you're supposed to have abundant life, if Jesus brings abundant life, you've got to believe that those closest to Christ have that life, and yet Lazarus is dead. Now, that's not the final word on Lazarus, but Lazarus is dead. Jesus hates that. He's angry at that. Very strange emotion. Whenever I was new to Maine, a new Mainer, well, I'll never be a Mainer, right? But new to Maine, a new person from away, I'll put it that, that way. I worked at a church in Augusta, uh, you know, an hour or so north, and we were moving from our small old church location to a much larger church. And we had a lot of work we were doing, a lot of construction in this new location we were doing. And I remember at the end of a work day, I was chatting. Everyone else had left, and it was me and some other guy. And I was having a conversation with the guy. And he was kind of opening up about his struggles and the issues in his life. And he was currently married um, to a, a lady that had multiple affairs uh, on him or you know, against him, uh, who was unfaithful to him. Um, these affairs had resulted in children that she had aborted. Uh, I think at least one abortion, maybe two. And so I'm chatting with this guy, and he's just sort of like, you know, just opening up his heart, letting it all kind of fall out. And I'm like 25, right? 24, 25. I'm like, what? You know, I haven't gone through any of this stuff. And I'm like talking to this guy. I'm just trying to like encourage him and, and, and all that type of stuff. And then we leave. And I'm driving from the new church to the old church. 
And I remember just praying through this experience I just had. And, you know, as I'm praying, I get angry. I get very angry. And I'm not angry at the lady. I'm angry that we live in a world where these things happen. I'm angry that we live in a world where God has given us all of these good gifts, the gift of life, the gift of marriage, all these things that God has given us that, that are supposed to reveal His goodness and reveal His person, reveal His character that we take and destroy because of sin and death. Okay? I'm angry about that. And it's a weird, it's a weird feeling because typically you're angry at someone, right? In, your, in the flesh, if someone doesn't do what you want them to do. But now I'm angry at the state of things. And I'm reminded of this psalm, Psalm 7, verse 11. These are texts that we shy away from, but we shouldn't. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. God did not create this world so that people would die. Right? God did not give us the gift of marriage so that there would be unfaithfulness. God did not give us babies that they would be terminated. That's not how it works. And just put in any scenario in this world. God did not give us property for it to be taken away from us. Right? That's not how he created the world to be. Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly, and sin and death reigns, and we lose that life. It's okay for you to be angry for the sake of God's righteousness and glory. In fact, what we see in the Bible from Jesus' example is that if there isn't some type of anger, and again, I'm not telling you to run out in the streets and punch someone, okay? I'm not saying that, right? But if there isn't some type of anger that we don't experience whenever we see a world wrecked by sin, then we have no vision for how things ought to be. If we aren't angry at the state of things, then we don't know how, we don't have no idea of how God intended these things to be in the first place. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, angry at the condition of this world, full of God's grace and truth. And it's within this context that Jesus comes, and as I said earlier, don't get angry, get even. Where Jesus gets even. This is what it says, verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved, same word, indignant, deeply moved, again. So he was angry, sorrowful, and he was angry again. He came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man. I love how it says dead man. Not even Lazarus anymore. His identity is dead. It just kind of puts it final there. He's the dead man. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. It's, it's useless. Okay? Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you had believed, you would see the glory of God, 42, or 43. 
When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. In an awesome display of power, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but power is word. He speaks. That is the defining aspect of God. He speaks. Things happen. He says. Things happen. Jesus was not waiting for a thunderstorm like Dr. Frankenstein. Right? He's not checking his weather app, seeing whenever the storm clouds are going to run through, and he doesn't have to time it right. By the word of his power, he says, Lazarus, come out. Unbind him and let him go. Now, reading this, you might think, man, this is an amazing story for Lazarus, as if Jesus did this for Lazarus. Lazarus was way better dead, guys, right? He was better off where he was. He probably got tapped on the shoulder by, by uh, not Peter, Peter's still around, by, you know, Gabriel or someone's like, all right, you got to get out of here. Lazarus like, what? I was just getting situated. It's been four days in this place. I got to leave now, all right? Lazarus was better off. Why did Jesus do this? He does it for you. He does it for you. Verse 41. Jesus lifted up his eyes. He prays to God. Father, I thank, the, thank that you that you have heard me. So Jesus is praying up until this point, and he's verbally thanking God out loud. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around me that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus doesn't do this for Lazarus. He does it for you, that you may believe. That's the entire point of the book of John, that you may believe. The lame man walks, that you may believe. The blind man sees, that you may believe. The dead man is raised, that you may believe. Believe. What's it going to take for you to start taking God at His word? Thank you, God, that you heard me for their sake, that they may believe. Not only can Jesus heal the lame, not only can He make the blind see, but He can raise the dead back to life. You may never be lame. You may never go blind, but I promise you, you will die. If you believe God's word, you already know that you are dead. In your trespasses and sins, spiritually dead. But God has sent his son who by his power raises the dead, who by his power calls out to men and women in their spiritual tombs and says to them, come out, unbind him, and let him go. As amazing as this resurrection is, we know that it's just a taste of the one to come. There's an amaz more amazing thing about to happen. It's like a building story. You don't think that Jesus can top this, but how much more amazing would it be if a dead man raised himself from the dead? And so we read Romans 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Ultimately, we don't rejoice in Lazarus raising. 
we rejoice because Christ rose. That's why we rejoice. We're not bound in Lazarus' body. We're bound in Christ's body. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. And so if Christ arose, then we arise to a new life. The sin and the death that angered Jesus, that brought sorrow to Jesus, turns into life and rejoicing because Christ arose. You've got to believe that so that you will believe. You've got to turn from your sin. You've got to place your faith in this man. Because Jesus is shouting at you right now in your tomb, come out. Be unbound. Be free. Because Christ has come to give life and to give it abundantly. You need to listen to his voice. Wherever you're at right now in your life, maybe, maybe you're angry, but for the wrong reasons. Not for righteous reasons, for selfish reasons. Or maybe you have good reason to be angry, right? But it's moving you in a direction away from Christ, not towards him. Maybe you're sorrowful. Maybe there's things going on in your life that you're reaping the destruction and the sin that this world brings, and you're just not sure how to hang with it. The power Jesus shows right here should be an answer to every sorrow, every tear, every bout of rage, that you don't have the power to handle any of these things, but he does, and he's proven it by raising Lazarus, and he will he finally proves it, beyond a shadow of doubt, by raising himself. You just need to listen to his voice. You need to believe. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for your word here. I want to thank you for the example of Christ here. He just, um, he's, he, there's no other God like him, Lord. There's no other God like you. It just doesn't exist, right? There, there's no other God that comes and is angry at the situation that we find ourselves in by our, our own, it's the own consequences of our own sin, Lord, because we have run after other things. He's taking issue with that, not as a punishment for, towards us, but to save us, but to redeem us, right? And that's what you do, Lord. That's what you're doing who comes and comes beside us in our sorrow, comes beside us in our pain, says, look, I know, I know it, and I know far more than this. I'm here to sympathize with you, to give you confidence, to turn that sorrow into joy, to lift your countenance, to lift your eyes, so that you would go to the throne of grace and mercy and find help in your time of need, who comes and displays this power, and the raising of Lazarus so that we all would believe, Lord. It's not like this was just made up 2,000 years ago. We believe these things happened. So the same words he said to Martha and Mary there, he said to us. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to take you at your word. It's so hard. It's so hard to trust you at times, Lord. It's so hard to believe that you are the God that works out abundant life for your people, because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith in the midst of anger, in the midst of sorrow. Give us the heart of Christ. Give us the anger of Christ. Give us the sorrow of Christ, Lord, so that we could see the power of Christ working through our lives. I just want to lift up everyone here. I know the stories here. 
I, I, probably half of them. I know there's more than, than I even know. But some of the stories here, Lord, I know that this is a message for, from you, for us in our time of need. And so use this word in the heart. Bury it deeply. Bring forth fruit from this, that Jesus will be glorified. Comfort and power, Lord, we pray. We thank you for this word. In Christ, I pray these things. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning sermon taught by Pastor Aaron Manning at Fort Hill Community Church in Gorham, Maine. For more information about Pastor Aaron or Fort Hill Community Church, visit us on Facebook or check out our website at www.forthillchurch.com.